Episode 10, Patrick and Cyprian speak with Chris Givens of Salience Venture Studios. The team discuss a wide range of topics, including the Microsoft Quantum Development Kit, the barriers programmers might face to beginning developing in Q-Sharp, and security implications of emerging technologies. Welcome to Entangled Things, your quantum computing podcast, hosted by Patrick and Cyprian. Hey, Cyprian, how are you doing today? Hi, Patrick. Very well. Ready for a new episode of Entangled Things. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. We have uh, Chris Givens with us today. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, so, Chris, we have the benefit of having uh, known your background, which is why we have you here. You're, you've been all over the place. You've done a lot of things. You also spent some time at IBM. Can you give us a quick background? Yeah, for sure. A um, little bit about me, obviously. You know, we've chatted in Orlando about some of my previous endeavors and, as you said, all over the place. And I like to think that that was a product of me growing up as a computer science, business, math major from uh, University of Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, and during that time, I actually had a was lucky enough to get an internship at IBM and which evolved into a, a very fruitful beginning to a career, uh, getting to deal with IBMers at the VP level that managed almost a bill, wow. uh, $2 billion worth of IBM's business at the time. And uh, I learned a lot <laughs> from that wow. experience. I imagine you would. And you started small, started with a little company called IBM. That's right. I, uh, as you know, um, I did have the opportunity, got my, my nominations to go to West Point and uh, didn't want to go to the boot camp. So I said, let's, uh, we'll, we'll go, we'll go with the IBM option. Although the University of Tulsa, the reason you know, that I'm here talking to you, lovely gentlemen, is that um, it is a very computer science with a focus on security kind of organization. So <clears throat> the folks that, that graduated my class and the classes after, instead of going to, you know, the IBM, three-letter word, they went NSA-CIA. And I uh. certainly had that option. And I've decided, well, I like IBM. Let's, let's go with that one. I think that was a good choice. Yeah. Um, most points, a great place to have been. It's not a great place to be most of the time. Yeah, I uh, heard. So you made my, a good choice. Yeah, my uncle went. As I told you, my mom was also accepted uh, first year for women. Excellent. Yeah, so it's it was army kind of thing was in our in our background. Uh, well, so security, you know, military and security go very hand in absolutely. hand. Absolutely. And and so you were interested in security from the very beginning. That's my ballywick. But I also know you do AI stuff with like Cyprian. We do. We do. We have a few projects going on around music, some things around um, validation of micro facts. We'll get into the details too much, but uh, we do have mm -hmm. a few different projects that are based off AI machine learning. Well, quantum's that next horizon. And so since IBM is a big mover in that space, there was a recent announcement. Would you like to talk about it? Ooh, uh, yes. It was pretty funny when we were in Orlando we were sitting there talking about like who has the chops to to really pull this off, and first thing I said, IBM, and yep, uh, you did. You know that was was a week and a half ago, and here we go. Article comes out two days ago. They just shipped their first uh, quantum computer to uh, Germany, and yeah, uh, you you read through this article, and you know you can just go look it up, uh, IBM quantum computer, uh, your favorite search engine. Yeah. <laughs> 
it is a mind blowing article uh, of where they're going with this. And I think, you know, you see, it's been sad for me. I, when I was at IBM, it was, it was kind of as pinnacle, you know, it, it, hmm. it had system 390 it had the AS400, R6000s, it had the Intel line of hardware. I mean, they were, they were everywhere. And you've kind of seen this decline now with cloud where IBM's kind of fallen behind and, you know, it's been sad. It saddened me to see that happen. And now I see this and I go, IBM's back. It's hard to count out a hundred billion dollar plus company. Yeah. It's nothing like a hundred billion dollars to pull a rabbit out of that. That's right. And I, you know, not, you know, you kind of look at Microsoft and go, well, do they have the chops to do this? Mm, Not sure. But then you just brought up the valuation. What are they? One and a half, one and a half trillion at this yeah. point. Yeah, they they got a lot of money. They got a lot of money, uh, so we can't count them out. But it's not actually their forte uh, in this realm. So Cyprian, I know IBM is one of the big uh, players that you watch. Um, yep. Is uh, any comments on on what you think what you think they're up to and how they're going to be doing in the future? Yeah, yeah. I mean. Probably a few remarks also about this this big announcement that mm. that Chris and you mentioned. Um, the, the the recipient of that um, IBM Quantum System is the Fraunhofer Institute in Germany, and the actual version that they got is uh, a 27 qubit Falcon processor. That's one of the the IBM processors that they're they're currently building. Uh, up to our knowledge, currently IBM is building uh, processors that range from the low end of five qubits all the way up to around sixty or so, uh, or so qubits. So this is based on current standards, right? Is what we would call a mid-ranged uh, <laughs> uh, quantum quantum processor, but very important, and that's the distinction that we've we've done several times. This is a circuit-based processor, so it's a, a processor that supports universal quantum quantum computing. IBM is one of the players uh, that works uh, or that bets on the superconducting qubits approach. Uh, others, like for instance, I don't know, Honeywell, are playing on the trapped ion qubits, and then there are a lot of others who wow. are playing on the uh, on the uh, photon-based uh, uh, qubits. So yeah exciting times i mean we are we are seeing more and more um practical quantum computers even shipped uh, uh to to different continents so that's that's a good sign um, and i like of, the of things to come their uh 65 qubit one is called hummingbird which i oh. like wow that sounds nice and then uh this year they're planned to release a 127 qubit system called the eagle well, to yeah. paraphrase, to paraphrase in parody, a very famous quote: "Who would ever need more than 127 qubits?" Right. Uh, well, that we know that's not true, and that's not the case. We, <laughs> well, we need many more. Patrick, if we talk about IBM, let me para- let me do a different paraphrasing. I think there will be a global market of exactly five quantum computers. Hey, you think you think it's? I mean, I, I think you're right in uh, that it's not going to be. That many, but I think it might be. You might have to add a zero. I'm, I'm, I'm putting one in my house, man. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this, these well, things are going to be like refrigerators. It, Everyone's going to have one. It would help with cooling in the winter. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know what, if if you read through that. <clears throat> excuse me. If you read through that article, they actually have a picture of this thing, and it is 
gorgeous. Who wouldn't want that? You just put it up as a chandelier in your house true. and go the golden chandelier. Check out my check out my quantum computer. You you got to admit, Chris, that they do have some kind of of aesthetic value, right? The Absolutely. way they look, the way they the they, way that hardware have... looks is like like <laughs> super cool. They've they've done a good job with those. I I remember I was in the Walmart data center once. Um, can't get in there anymore, but there were just lines of System three nineties uh, down this this you know hallway thing, and you kind of look at it, and they were gorgeous. You know, you had. Mm three of them lined up and you go, wow, that's, you just, oh, yeah. Um, it's like you've 2001 just, space odyssey. You know? <laughs> you've just confessed to being a geek. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So we, we're hitting mainstream. Now this isn't the first one IBM shipped. It's the first one they shipped internationally, I think. Right. So <clears throat> this educational institutes, um, people who want to do, um, hard science investigations, I don't know, will insurance companies and banks ever buy them? Or are is 99% of the usage going to be on the cloud, which is what I expect? Even with that, there's still going to be some people who buy them, even cloud. I mean, think about it. There's more cloud vendors than most people think. Most people think there's only two or three cloud vendors. There's a lot of them out there who have uh, niches that they that they manage. That's true. Yeah, I, I've been to a few Microsoft partner, uh, the Datto conference. I didn't realize... Having a data center is still very much in, and they outsource a lot of systems out of those. And they are—it's not just Azure, Google, and um, Amazon. Yeah, that was interesting so, to know that that stuff still existed. So Cyprian might know this: is—is is, um, are the quantum annealers being sold, or are they just being hosted as a cloud platform? Oh no, they—they they are. They are. They are definitely I mean, being sold. Yeah, they, they are like the, the quantum annealing based processors are actually from this point of view of, of packaging and of availability, they are quite well ahead of, of the universal compu- universal quantum computing ones or the circuit based uh, ones. Yeah. And you also have, what, what's interesting, you can also see uh, a wide range of derived kind of devices that are not necessarily claiming to do computing per se, but they are using different uh, phenomenons around quantum physics to produce, I don't know, uh, secure streams of bits or, or different things like, like that. Really? So there's a, a very kind of uh, interesting dynamic in this, this market of quantum-based or quantum-inspired hardware. So yeah, right. it's, it's, it's exciting, I mean. Yeah, I, IBM, when I did the MIT courses, IBM was the hardware that we did our exercises on. Um, it, it's the, they're the gorilla in the room again. They're the, the, they're the big player on the hardware side, on the, on the general quantum computing. I don't, I don't have the sense that anybody is, is ahead of them in, in the general quantum computing space. And, and by the way, like if you're thinking like, why is the Fraunhofer Institute the recipient of, of, that, of that computer? Here's a, a, an interesting piece of news that, if I remember correctly, was published uh, last month. The German government announced that it's going to spend up to 2 billion euros in supporting the building and operating of quantum computers. Wow. So th- this is huge in terms of... Uh, a European government's commitment, right, to support the advancement of quantum computing. 
Absolutely. I also didn't realize their uh, chancellor, Ange- Angela, mm-hmm. PhD in quantum chemistry. I had no idea yeah, until she's, I'd read through that. She's a hardcore scientist. She, yeah, and she's she from is. the East. So, you know, there's some, some discipline. I mean, <laughs> Germany's discipline anyways, but East Germany seems a little more disciplined uh, as far as the, the, the punishment side. Um, I guess the next thing I wanted to ask was about security, because I know that's that's near and dear to your hearts, near and dear to mine. And um, I was on a, a an Air Force uh, Armed Forces um, user group for Florida um, panel the other day. And, and we talked about potentially talking about quantum and everybody agreed it was going to derail the whole two hour conversation. And we needed to stick to zero trust, which was the actual topic. <laughs> um, so but but it's fascinating how. A lot of security people are leery of quantum um, and don't see that it's it's actually going to bring in a lot of security as well. But it's definitely going to revolutionize everything. Now, now I know okay. you've been involved with the 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 quantum, the Microsoft's most valuable professional MVP program, yep. and and I know they have a quantum edge to that. And maybe that's secret information I'm not supposed to know. No. But and I know Cyprian's you know a member of that group as well. But you also play along with those guys. Is there anything you can tell us about? the thoughts of that group in where security might impact this or, or just what quantum's going to, going to promise in the near future. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I try, as you mentioned, you know, most of us at science, you know, we, we uh, are MVPs, regional directors, and we, we try to keep on top of things. So for me, um, as you mentioned, my background was coming from the office side with server and, and all that. And well, people don't hold that against me, but uh, <laughs> moving forward, obviously I've been doing a lot of way more advanced things and I try to hop on every MVP call I can. And you never know when someone's, it, it could be absolutely boring. It could be mind blowing. And so obviously Q sharp is not for everybody. Uh, and so you see this call and you go, okay, yeah, you know, I want to, I want to go check that out. So I've sat on all the quantum calls. Um, and it's been interesting to see them talk about Q sharp and the quantum development kit and from a programming paradigm thinking through it i think a lot of people they learn computer science and they just kind of learn compiler they learn let's do some high level language and i can go do a data structure and and then and then you write some business logic right traditional thinking right but if you don't have a math background you sit here and you go and you look at this and go well q sharp what like, yes. what, what am I doing here? And, um, you know, it, I, I would tend to equate it to the two-dimensional thinking versus in-dimensional thinking. That's uh, a good way to analogize it, I think. Yeah. So as I'm running, as I'm looking at this, they, they, you know, they talk about stuff. You you can go down the matrix math part if you've got any kind of math background. Go, okay, cool. I know what matrix math is. And obviously, we do AI, ML, and yet that's very important there as well. Linear algebra. Linear algebra. And so you kind of start to review, okay, what is quantum computing? What is the development kit? And so as you, as you am I sitting on these calls and they're walking through talking about stuff? And I go, what is that? What is that? Mm-hmm. And so you have to go and there's a couple of helpful articles that are sitting out there. Uh, about the quantum development kit, you read through the front and front part of it. You read all the way through the the down part. You go, got it. But you're only going to say you got it if you got a math background, because the notations that are in there are, you know, for no one who doesn't know what the 
you know how to notate matrix math or any of the other higher level concepts you know it's hieroglyphics yeah it's gonna look yeah uh, so that brings up two things that that brings up two things so we talked about ibm i i think ibm on the classical computer side is the is the hardware vendor that's dominating right now i would agree i think microsoft is positioning itself to dominate developer productivity but there's a caveat to that and that this is an interesting topic i think i believe that you can't just learn q sharp and start programming quantum like you do ruby on rails it's you have to understand enough of the physics to understand what you're trying to accomplish absolutely and so there's that that's the 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 jump that's the thing that i'm hoping that we're helping um, that is the jump our listeners to to kind of grok or kind of kind of understand is is you have i took the mit courses the first two i'm going to take the next two in september i think because i'm a glutton for punishment and they were only five hours a week and they were great peter shore was one of the professors um isaac chuang was one of the other professors william oliver great great professors and i was spending five hours a week on the content and 10 hours a week plus on the math because Mm -hmm. i didn't want anything to go by i didn't understand and that was a big big ask because the calculus isn't too bad but you got to really understand it you got to be well-founded linear algebra matrix mathematics just the whole idea of the physics Mm -hmm. so um so i i understand that but but i think that's our biggest impediment to getting an army of programmers to do with this yeah if i I just wanted to ask you of the quantum people you've dealt with do they all have a, a, a physics background and a math background? So far, anyone who's really serious about it um, pretty much has to. And I look at it and go, I think these math folks, they are going to probably be the first ones that do it uh, to kind of go, well, we don't need to do this traditional, uh, even even math. Uh, I'll expand it to electrical engineering, too. Please. The electrical engineers, This and this will kind of go back to this MVP call I was on about Q-sharp. Electrical engineers are thinking in traditional circuit design and silicon, and and so they're building stuff so that we can program it and go, okay, great. And so they're they're traditional thinking too. I I think at some point, you know, math and electrical engineers are going to go, hmm, I got to go learn this Q sharpie thing, and I I'm going to have to totally change it. And I can't wait for the university to switch over to that, and, and yeah. then. It's going to be like, wait, you still use silicone? <laughs> uh, that's not right. That's so last century. That's so last century. Um, but one of the interesting things on this call that kind of ties all that together was, and it was the aha moment for me, and this ties into the security cryptography part, was they were showing how they used Q Sharp to design a circuit board. And I said, oh, now I get it. Okay. You have no silicon. You have no, you know, you think back electrical engineering, the peel gate, and you programmed it, and you had all your gates, and you you programmed the cute little uh, Mustang blinker lights that, you know, everyone thought was so cool back in the, whenever those came out. And uh, I thought, oh, silicon's really slow. Like, you, you know, he's like, oh, se- seven nanometers, whatever process they have today, six, five, whatever. And you go, Oh no, this is this is quantum. This is instantaneous. There are no it's simultaneous. Yes, it's simultaneous. I yeah. stand corrected. Yeah. Uh, and in multiple dimensions. And you think, wait, this is game changing. 
like but you again two-dimensional thinking now evolves into n-dimensional thinking and you go how do i program that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and but as i'm watching the circuit design i'm going whoa uh we'll replace everything uh with this it'll impact everything it'll, it'll impact, impact everything. sorry yeah i can't <clears throat> once we all have the little quantum computers sitting in every room yeah um I'm thinking way out there, but uh, you think, oh, okay, now I got it. And so it started to occur to me that if you design a cryptography, if you've designed a cryptography CPU, you're not going to go build that in quantum. It's going to blow everything away. Like it's just going to kill it. And so if you go and say, we were having this conversation where we had our 1024-bit SSL certificates. Well, we've moved mm. that to 2048 because yeah. current... Um, traditional computing can can break that. You move into quantum, you go, whoa, <laughs> yeah. we're going to have to go way past this because this thing's going to just hack that. But and it's you, all, it's a delaying action. It, it's, yeah. Eventually we have to use quantum security. Correct. And so now if you have these governments, and I don't say anything bad about Germany or the United States, um, I think they're generally good in what they try to do, but um, you're going to look at this and go, the governments can crack anything. They're going to be the ones that are, are going to be able to buy these things right off the bat. And they're going to be able to hack your sites. They'll be able to hack your certificates. Your, mm -hmm. They'll hack your, hack your cryptography. And you just kind of look at it and go, there's nothing we can do. Because if I have that SSL certificate running at 2,048 bits doing on a traditional computer, it's, it's, it's rough <laughs> on yeah, that CPU. The hope is that we'll... I mean, we've we've got an episode on BB84 that Cyprian and I did. Um, we there's other ways to leverage uh, quantum to make you more secure, and there's also quantum proof encryptions that are starting to come in. Uh, elliptical curve, yeah. And I I won't pretend to understand that fully yet. I haven't done the math, but but there's definitely a future here. And Cyprian, I mean, you you we read a lot more than I do about where the cutting edges go. Um, China seems to be very far ahead on the the secure communications, but they're publishing a lot too. They're not just doing it in a secret lab. They're claiming that they're having breakthroughs and they're publishing a lot of that stuff. Have uh, what I wanted to ask Cyprian is is do you think that the um, is there an acceleration in the publishing in the last eighteen months, or is it are we on a steady curve? Is things accelerating in this regard? Well, I, I'd say there's an exponential increase in publishing. It seems that. Sorry. There is this an, an amazing influx of, of new results. And uh, by the way, speaking about uh, security, um, I think a few days ago, uh, Toshiba published a result where they demonstrated um, key exchange, quantum key exchange over a distance of 600 kilometers. I know that the, the, wow. the previous kind of record was around, record, so to speak, right, was around 200 kilometers. So they successfully demonstrated like uh, breaking the barrier of the 500 kilometers. And, 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 and that in itself, I would say, is, is, is just an amazing, an amazing result. But I think on a, on a more general note, the, the question that I have on, on my mind as well is, how much does it actually get published and 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 communicated? Because, um, and and this is where I feel like maybe uh, remember uh, Patrick the the episode that we did with Richard Campbell where we yes. kind of looked at at parallels between classical computing and quantum computing. 
Yep. Um, I would even dare to say that uh, at least my perception is that uh, quantum computing is is shrouded maybe in more secret than classical computing was in its early kind of times, right? Because I think it's it's there's more awareness and and there there's more at stake probably in this modern world when it comes to harnessing. Uh, the, the power of, of of quantum of quantum computing. So that's always going to be a question probably for the next decade is how much does it actually get published? How much does it actually get 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 communicated? But leaving that aside, um, I I see like at least in 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 academia, I, I see like an explosion of papers and and research results and and things like 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 that. And, and that I, just- I think that's a very good sign. Right. That could just be the tip of the iceberg if what you're saying. I, I mean, I think that I think I think it's unlikely that the governments, China, the United States, Russia, um, the UK, Germany are doing secret projects where they're they're not publishing more than the academics. But I could see it I, almost being equal. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably agree with Patrick, too. I, just in the traditional sense of classical computing, you, know, you look at some of the folks that go do their masters and get their PhD. And you know, it's part of that whole thing. You go and you publish those papers and I, and then you get hired or they, yeah. or they make a product startup out of it and, and it goes off and does its thing. Well, and uh, IBM's IBM's doing the same model as SpaceX for the U S government right now. The, the way to win isn't to have the government spend, do all the research and all the spending. The way to win is to finance your public sector, your commercial sector, your education mm-hmm. sector, have them do it all, and then you just adapt and, it for your uses in the background. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I mean, not to say Zibrian's not wrong that there isn't some one person working on quantum math, mathematical equations in the government somewhere, uh, yeah. whether for us or any other governments. Uh, so I, I have to ask, what's, what's going on in Romania, man? Because with it, this is the second two weeks in a row we got in request to speak in Romania. We, we did the NDR conference. Cyprian and that. Now we got another group in Romania. Are you guys becoming the superpower of quantum? <laughs> well, uh, th- there is a lot of interest, right? There's a lot of interest. There are uh, even uh, uh, starting to kind of, uh, you see emerging user groups and stuff like that. And th- th- there is a some like like plausible explanation for, for, for that. Um, my generation and and the few generations that that kind of uh, uh, went through university and through school after my generation were still kind of uh, educated uh, using the the, the curricula uh, that was kind of closer to the one that we had in the in the communist era. And well, uh, among many bad things, there was one very good thing about that. It was like super heavily math oriented. And science. Right. Every yeah. virtually every single uh, kind of bachelor's degree meant that there is a person that has uh, more than average understanding, even towards like a good understanding of mathematics, and that kind of ripples through time. And uh, now that all all these are practitioners and these are people who are actually having successful careers in 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 IT, it's kind of natural that they get attracted towards. Um, things that are kind of heavily biased towards mathematics and and, and things like like that. So, we, Chris, you started talking about Q sharp, and and this is a good topic. I'm hoping, I'm praying 
that what we said earlier about being math and science, you know, making those requirements that fades and that we get to a point where there's a Lego development system where you can have a problem, want to solve it. And there's building bricks in quantum. Got it. Yeah. That you don't need to understand, but I, I, I'm having trouble imagining it. I'm having trouble envisioning it. You know, as I was preparing for this and thinking through it, same thing. I thought, you know, with traditional, you know, C sharp, uh, they they go and they drop you some stuff out. Here's, here's some samples of how to do things. I think eventually it'll become commonplace that people will understand. It'll just, I think, if Elon Musk had his way, he's just going to use his neural net and drop drop matrix math into every baby that that is born and so they'll come out going i got this and i mean could it be that quantum is going to be like device drivers and and what'll happen is i'll write a function that will call shore's algorithm and then do some c sharp to uh, and you'll just say crack symmetric asymmetric key uh they did show off that they had implemented they started, yeah, Q-sharp is the basis, and they've they've started to build out and the uh, SDK, yes, all kinds of different functions that you could call out and say, yeah, if you want to do this, do that. But I think you're right. I think you're going to need someone to go right and figure out the matrix math and the, the, the Q-sharp, layer it, and say, here's, here's these components, and try to somehow map it to classical computing. It's not going to say it's going to map one-to-one or anything, but at least try to bring it into into scope for for a lot of people. So I, I think it has to happen. <clears throat> Who knows? Maybe maybe uh, Office three sixty five's search will be a Grover search <laughs> in oh, the that's background. True. There you go. There you go. Uh, I I was just reading. Yeah, that that is amazing. Uh, quantum applied to Grover is that takes search to a whole new uh, layer. That's but that's Cyprian's favorite. Is it okay? I didn't he know he liked favorites. search so much. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I think the other place where, you know, I brought up Elon Musk and Neuralink, but he, he's bashed on uh, Bitcoin here lately. And, and he's just, I don't know how he didn't understand that the power it takes and the computational effort to, to do that, that mining. And I, I always hate the word mining. It's workers, busy beavers, if you Proof will. of work. Yeah. Proof of work. I'm like, what? So um, quantum in that realm. Can we save on massive power? Can we well, can we do this stuff in a much more efficient way? Where I think the biggest need... place that quantum might impact crypto is whether it can break the blockchain. Mm. And and so I don't there fifty one percent. Yeah. So the I mean proof of stake on on um, on coins like Cardano and, and even Ethereum is getting a proof of stake uh, roadmap um, are probably going to allay those fears of us, yep. you know, using all the electricity in the universe to, to just <laughs> generate Bitcoin or other. Um, but the question then becomes, and now you understand blockchain probably better than I do. Um, really the, the numbers are this <clears throat> in the future with a sufficiently large quantum computer, you can break in a fairly quick way, public private key encryption, which is not, I believe a major component of crypto. No. However, a, a, a symmetric encryption where shared keys, quantum can give you a 50% boost in brute forcing. Now, 50% against something that's going to take you 50 years is only is still 25 years. And something that's 1,000 years is still 500 years. So I, I don't know it that it's that big of a threat. It could be worth it depending on how much is in that Bitcoin wallet. 
Yeah, well, and also it depends on how how good the keys are. If the keys were, you know, over-engineered so that they would literally take a classical computer a thousand years, then 500 years is still a, a long enough time that it's not sure. an issue. That's uh, but if, my kids' kids' is kids. Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah the, well, we'll run out of Bitcoin. It'll be called something <laughs> else long before that. So Bitcoin's going to fade, sell now. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Can we edit that out? <laughs> Gonna get us in trouble. This is not the Robin Hood podcast. <laughs> Did you know Cyprian, I'm also in finance? <laughs> yeah, I know you are. You, <laughs> Cyprian, save us. Change the topic. Let me let me save you. Let me give you numbers. Total bitcoins in existence: eighteen million seven hundred and seven uh, thirty-seven thousand nine hundred seventy-five bitcoins left to be mined. 2,262,025. So uh, that's basically, if you look at the curve of, 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 of total circulating Bitcoin, it's, it's basically logarithmic. So the, the closer you get to the 21 million limit, like it's the harder, harder yeah, to, don't, to Don't forget to about all these people who lost their keys. Those, those coins are gone. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. That's so true. what I'm seeing here is probably <laughs> quantum will not help um, I mean, it's not going to be uh, powerful enough to help with this one, but I can yeah. definitely see the quantum equiv equivalent of Bitcoin. Ooh, Qcoin, right? Q I, I, I can definitely, I can definitely imagine. Although there's uh, some early kind of research and theor theory proposed around that, but I can definitely see the the, the crypto coins of the future actually not being based on on classical computing but being based on on quantum computing and that will kind of bring like a whole different ball game oh my gosh yeah. i just need my my quantum computer that fits in desktop form factor sitting yeah. under my desk and we're good to go i think it'll, i think we're a ways away from that i think it'll be a, you're gonna have to use a little bit of cloud to to get but, get through oh, the night. man hey, all right chris let let me kind of uh uh uh, completely change the direction of the discussion oh, here, boy. and because I know you uh, as much as you like uh, uh, science and computers and stuff like that, I, I I know you like a lot also philosophical discussions. So, oh, no. he, he, here's a question for you that uh, I, I've prepared for our discussion today. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Entangled Things. This week's episode is sponsored by Pulsar Security. Introducing Sonar, Wi-Fi security as a service. With Wi-Fi being available in most corporate networks, it is imperative companies know what devices are broadcasting within range or authenticating to the corporate network. With Sonar, you'll receive alerts, monthly reports, and access to our team to uncover and help fix your Wi-Fi security weaknesses. Sonar, protect your data. Visit sonar.pulsarsecurity.com entangled to learn more. Um, do you think classical computing is good enough for the long-term survival of the human race? It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> no, it's not. Conversation I'm just Wars. kidding. Like, it's a Star it's Wars not, reference. Like it's it. not. Yeah. Um, hmm. I mean, not surviving the next decade. Like, Surviving yeah. the next 100, 200, 500 years, the next millennia. It's already past 2001 Space Odyssey. So if I say, what are you doing, Dave? <laughs> I think that probably answers the question that probably going to kill us. 
more than it's going to save us. <laughs> yeah, actually, that was kind of the the underlying question. Okay. Uh, on a on a on a serious note, do you think quantum computing can can pose a threat? Like pretty much the same, for instance, like the I don't know the atomic bomb post or or other very powerful things and technologies that we uncovered and then mastered. Uh, by itself, I, would say, I don't think so. I think it would yeah. take a long time. If we if we look at where we've come with the ability for programs to write programs through like uh, reflection and the compiler aspects of .NET, mm -hmm. I, we don't have that for quantum yet. So it would require very powerful AI to go figure out quantum to see how could I use quantum. So what do we call it? The singularity mm -hmm. going, I need you to do this or you know, now that you're aware mm -hmm. of the, the, the uh, was the Baskalis, uh, Elon Musk loves to say the Baskalis uh, paradox or whatever. Um, the singularity is driving everything today. So if the singularity wants us to do quantum, then we will be doing quantum. I, I think quantum is like an if then structure. It's, it's another tool in the toolbox and it's what you do with it. Um, but you raise an interesting question of, <clears throat> so we've got, we've got classical computing. We've got quantum computing. And we've kind of agreed there's a consensus that they're going to be complementary, that that class quantum computing isn't isn't going to be the way I manage my schedule. It might be the way that I deconflict my schedule behind the scenes, but, but we're still going to have classical computing. But what comes next? Is there going to be another uh, a replacement for silicon, a replacement for the bit that's more efficient? And maybe it'll be a trip. There'll be three <laughs> three values instead of just two. Uh, <clears throat> as some hybrid evolution from from classical computing to the the things that quantum gives us, but without the limitations of having to work with quantum bits. Uh, I don't know. That's an interesting question. Um, is that what you were getting at, Cyprian? Yeah, I mean, for and and that's funny that that Chris mentioned that concept of singularity, and then just for our listeners, right? Uh, uh, in kind of common uh, 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 language, the singularity means the the, the the point where an artificial intelligence will kind of wake on itself and, and get kind of self-conscious and then start kind of doing things that it wasn't supposed to do initially. And my take on this is that classical computing is just not powerful enough of a paradigm uh, to get us to such a point. Right, like we will expand our data centers, we will expand our V cores and RAMs and things like that, probably up to the point where we fill the entire planet. Even at that point, classical computing is not powerful enough to, to kind of, uh, I think, pose a danger, so to speak, in that in that realm. On the other hand, you know what they answer to the question: What will we do with the first working universal quantum computer? Right, we will build the next one. Right. <laughs> so that's that, that's where um, we get into kind of a paradigm that is like compared to classical is immensely more powerful. And, and that's where I'm kind of like like thinking of uh, uh, about what are the, the, the prospects, what are the, the, the potential misuses of of such of such technology. Right. Because we, we like we as a human race, we do have this history of kind of stepping on our own toes, right? Uh, getting ourselves even close to self-destruction like we did with the, uh, with the Cuban uh, a missile crisis, right? So that's where 
um, the kind of the, the underlying uh, question in, in, in the question is, there's no doubt this will be something very powerful, right? Uh, question is, how much will we be able to use it to, to kind of do more good than harm, right? Fair enough. It's all up to us. It's just a tool. It's all up to us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. At the end of the day, Patrick, I think you're right, right? At the yeah. end of the day, this is going to be a tool and you will need to regulate and you will need to control how you use the tool. But at the end of the day, it's it's still a tool, right? Yeah. And and we're, you know, we're good people. Uh, Patrick, Cyprian, you know, we, we uh, try. We, we try, you know, to be good. Um, but that we we would be naive to think that everyone is good in this world. And there's certainly going to be people that use computers and whether it's classical or quantum for not good things. Yeah, that usually comes later in the chapter. I think yep. that's I think I think the three of us will be long dead by the time that comes. <laughs> Most people are still trying to wrap their heads around Bell's theorem, let alone, you know, yeah. let alone take over the earth with the quantum computer. 50, 50 bits is qubits is probably not enough to uh build a space laser. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see those explosions in space like Star Wars. <laughs> so So we're we're coming up on our time soon, but but you know, this has been a great conversation. And, and what we're seeing here is that there's a lot of people, um, all over the, uh, the space who are, are waking up to, you know, quantum is the future. Quantum is going to be part of our future. It's not going to replace all the computers that we have probably not in our lifetime. Um, but it's how we use it. And we still haven't even imagined a fraction of the ways we're going to use it. And that's what, that's what I think this phase is about is well, what could we use it for? What what should we be looking at? How how will it change the the model of the arms races and the material science and things like that? So before we start wrapping up, Chris, is there anything we didn't talk about? Any any things that IBM might be doing that you have inside knowledge on and want to divulge on this hmm. this show? Just kidding. Uh, you know, it's I think just yeah, a couple of last thoughts um, on the IBM stuff. They had their roadmap in. The article and they actually said that uh, i can't pull it up now but no problem oh yeah i can uh that by 2023 they will have a 1121 qubit uh machine called condor so we're two years away from over wow. a thousand yeah that's so okay let let's take two minutes because i think we have that much time cyprian that if I'm right, that's they're talking about logical qubits, or are they talking about physical qubits? Because if they're talking about physical, that doesn't mean much. If they're talking about logical, that's a big deal. It's huge. Yeah, they they usual they when most of these companies when they talk uh, publicly, they talk about logical qubits, meaning qubits that can be used for universal quantum computing computation. So, yeah, a thousand plus. It's I mean, it's huge. Mm -hmm. Oh my god! So. They even have the path to be on one million qubits. Yeah, that's going to be some serious error correction in that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I mean the only kind of uh, footnote here that these companies usually do not mention is you can have a large number of qubits. The big challenge, though, is to have them working in the same split second of time Coherence. together to be able yeah. to do computations, and that's where the 
the big challenges are 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 actually lying, right? Because if you can build a 50 qubit quantum computer, that you can you can build 150 qubit quantum computers, right? That's that's not a problem. The big problem is having them work in the same kind of instant of time together, be coherent together, so that you can run computations. That's so, where the big challenge is. What I like to say is anybody can take a nice picture of a puppy, but take a picture of five simultaneously and then get back to me. <laughs> and then do it for a hundred. That's yeah. right. And then a hundred and one, sorry. Well, you gotta, you gotta imagine that if they're advertising this, they've got some plan for, for coherence Clearly. and, and yeah. for thing. So breaking that down and I, I, and I know I said we're almost out of time, but this might be worth it. Um, if you get some optimizations, cause Shor's algorithm has shown that you can really do a lot with a little, if Shor's algorithm can be implemented on that, you may be able to break a thousand twenty-four asymmetric key with that. That means we're only a couple of years away from the the slippery slope that Chris started talking about at the very beginning of the show. Where oh, now we got to double the size of our certificates, double the size. Eventually, that runs out. That that just doesn't work anymore, and that might be a lot sooner than we think. I yep. I imagine a I imagine a world, Patrick, where I would ask Chris, "Hey, Chris." What, what, what's the size of, of this certificate that you sent me? And Chris would answer, <laughs> oh, that's a small one. It's just 10 terabytes. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, <laughs> well, Chris, we're very, very grateful for you to take some time. We hope to have uh, conversations with you again in the future. Absolutely. Anybody who's paying attention to this space knows that it, it moves pretty fast. And, and you already brought, brought a lot of attention to some interesting things and some good experiences. So. Thanks again. And Cyprian, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Chris. Patrick, as always, great doing this podcast. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye.